got, um, well, we're very lucky to have Gary Evans with us, who's got an incredibly full schedule, which he'll tell you all about. But he's here to talk to us about the Forest Bathing Institute because he's one of the co-founders and the director. And they are doing some absolutely remarkable things. And, you know, fits totally with our mantra of love nature and live naturally, which you will see we've got a whole great new range of 60s inspired t-shirts coming out with that mantra on. But um, Gary, can you give us a little bit more on your background? Because it looks to me like you've managed to take everything that you most love in life and put it into your day job. Yes, <laughs> that's a good way of, of putting it. Um, and as it's been pretty much every day for the last six years, it's a good job that we love it. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely following the um, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life philosophy, because, um, of course, it, it feels very rewarding. Um, but in a nutshell, um, I picked up on forest bathing somewhere around eight years ago, um, and there was almost nothing in England and the UK at that point. Um, and on the honeymoon at the end of uh, 2015 with my wife, basically we decided that we should really bring it to England. Um, there was a number of reasons why it was such a beautiful enterprise in Japan. Um, the things, first of all, they scaled it um, with local government help to help millions of people. So, that, so it seemed like if they could do that in Japan, there was a major opportunity in England and the UK to do something similar. Um, but the real beauty was of this incredibly solid foundation of physiological science. Because um, I'm a, I trained as a yoga teacher in India, and now I'm a meditation teacher of meditation teachers. Oh, um, but you want that platform um, of science rather than, because if you go too far out with the speculation, maybe you go off course. Um, so we really um, admired what they'd done in Japan. And, um, there's like thousands or thousands of studies. So it's been mass replication. Um, and now we've taken it to a point where I'm engaging daily uh, with universities. So we're in touch with about 20, 13 in the UK, seven internationally, because we're becoming a bit of a, a hot spot in England, particularly for the Western Hemisphere, because so much has been done in South Korea and Japan. Um, that's, that, that, that's amazing. I mean, I'm familiar with some of that research, but before we dive into some of the exciting things happening on the science front, can you just um, talk to our community about forest bathing? I just, I love your website. I have such a passion and a connection with trees mm. and I could just look at some of those photographs for ages, but can you just sort of explain in a, in a nutshell, um, the ethos behind it and um and 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 what it's going to do for you yes yeah, so a wife forest bathing so you could say it's mindfulness in nature and we did a study on that subject recently um but when you're just coming into that still point in nature and observing it um just the feelings of peace and serenity and calm which is like the antidote to the busy uh, working life um just means a lot to myself and my wife but all of us um, because of the fast-paced nature of life and just being there mindfully really um, admiring the magnificence and the majesty of woodland or nature 
Um, we're increasingly going into parks and things to try and spread the message of the benefits. Um, but if you just really just come to a stop and appreciate what's there, it gives back so much more than you can ever imagine. So it's just making that little bit of time, but it can really make a big difference to our stress levels, like by orders of magnitude. And that's really the key message. Just go into nature slowly and quietly and then just soak in um, the beauty and it will... Um... I, th I think when you've been in that place where, um, you know, you're out of yourself because of stress, because of worry, because of anxiety, um, it, it is quite challenging to just go into nature and manage to stop. And that's what I love about the forest bathing sessions is it looks like you have a very structured approach to helping somebody come down and land again. Mm -hmm. Yes, we so we ran um, when we launched in 2016, we were make, making changes for about the first 100 to 150 sessions based because there's a lot of feedback from the participants. Um, so, so yeah, you could say there's like the tense state and then there's the calm place, but there's a journey between the two. It's not an on-off switch. You don't just decide to relax. So we wanted to try and make that journey smooth and accessible for everyone. So we've taken our version of Forest Bank to the mainstream. So we work with government, NHS, majority of the major landowners across the country and increasingly um, working towards clinical research for certain health conditions. Um, but, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. So um, a so lot of I, people... I was just going to say, so I suppose if someone comes for sessions, do they have a single session and then have a template to work with? Do they come for a series of sessions? Um, so what we've been running up to date has been one-off introductory sessions to try and... So anyone that comes on those sessions would leave with a few tools to use and on their own time. What we're currently putting in place for the NHS is a course of six sessions um, to try and help long-term positive change because you might not necessarily be able to help more vulnerable people with a one-off session. Um, but we've got a large team. I mean, we're, we're sort of hovering around 80 to 100. Really? Um, and oh, some, that's amazing. It, I'm internationally now as well. Um, so each session is always different because the location, the the climate and the um, obviously the birds and animals and the trees that are there each location is different and then we encourage the team to really bring their personality uh, through an intuitive approach to so what what would the group in front of me today appreciate um, so based on who's in front of you and the uh, conditions on the day no two sessions will ever be the same and, and is it kind of um, sun rain wind or shine yeah, the only um, conditions that basically prevent forest bathing is lightning due to yes. falling branches and uh, wind speeds of 30 mile an hour and above, same reason. Um, but rain isn't too much of a problem. I've done, I, I'm now familiar with most of the different speeds of rain, including three hour forest bathing sessions, full speed torrential rain, where to hide under certain trees. Um, but actually, the best time to go into the forest is after rain because a lot of these beneficial chemicals we now know that are present um, are in higher numbers after rain and during rain. Um, so it's a good time to go in and make the most of them. 
you talk about beneficial chemicals but also the autumn because when we were talking offline um, before we started the interview I, I mentioned that in my postgraduate training a number of years ago we looked at all the research of Dr Charles Raison um, and um, he was looking at the effect of forest bathing particularly from a microbial point of view um, because he was working with healing depression and so as a, as a practitioner and the many health professionals who will be watching this um, will be familiar with the fact that um, depression is very closely related to uh, microbial imbalance um, and dysbiosis and gut health and all the rest of it so um, Charles Rosen has just been amazing in terms of his work and what he's pioneered looking at the fact that you know in our in our uh, in indigenous tribes um, in our old life you know this relationship we had with uh, the microbial world our old friends was very strong and we've broken lots of those commensal lines of communication now um, resulting in the very high inflammation rates that we see. So we were then looking at doing um, definitely not structured and not the way that you, you've um, pioneered it now but um, working outdoors particularly in the damp in, um, in the fall because there's way more microbes um, that you can take mm. and repopulate your microbiome. So I just wondered if that sort of featured, that side of it's featured in any of your research. Um, because of the damp conditions in the... Or just the microbial side of forest bathing and, um, mm. you know, and, 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 and health in general from a more physical point of view. So my current uh, research is around the air chemistry and changes in the blood. That's the bit that I'm driving because I was looking at the RHS that have been looking at the microbes in the soil um, and they've been doing some research with um, cortisol saliva samples. Um, and the, way, the other way that we've looked at the microbes in the soil is uh, their potential to release serotonin mm -hmm. when you're inhaling them. Because um, on the forest bathing sessions, the amount of people that have been transported back to grandmother's house when they're inhaling the forest uh, earth from the floor. Um, because when you're using the breath, it actually goes past the normal cognitive functioning straight into the limbic system. And when we were working with the University of Essex, they said, well, we work with army veterans with PTSD and sense of smell because you can go back to happier memories. Um, so those are kind of the areas that we're currently looking at. But I think it's our view. The main point I, I'd encourage people to think about is our view of what's dirty. Oh, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm right with uh, you. Oh, you, you. You tell them. <laughs> well, because, of course, some people come out of um, cities. And as we know, there's lots of pollution in cities covering everything. But then you might come into the countryside and it all looks dirty. Um, but we now know, of course, that the dirt is very beneficial um, yeah. to us. And so, yes, yeah, so breathing in. So when we're disconnected from those soil microbes and we're not breathing them in, um, the chances are that our immune system is being compromised. I mean, that's what the research now tells us. Absolutely. Um, so it might be uh, dirt, but actually it's incredibly um, beneficial. So it's another reason to be spending time in nature. So if you're gardening... Yeah, and obviously when you're walking, you're picking things up that you'd be inhaling. So any exposure, um, in theory, should be better than none. 
I, I agree. I, I, I grew up in Africa and um, a long time ago now, and um, certainly the whole hygiene hypothesis hadn't hit then. And it was just, we were in the mud all the time, you know, in the winter we were, you know, the babies are all crawling around in the, in the dirt. And um, it's just, I think it built very strong immune systems and it was, it, it's so necessary. So I, again, that's a, that's a big A&H um, message that we get out is um, shelve the anti-backs and, um, and get out in the dirt again. Yes. So um, well, there's a lot more to come on that subject, but, but basically the initial, well, initial research is showing us across multiple fronts is of course uh, physiology developed in these environments and we've, and we've gradually removed ourselves from those environments to the point where some people aren't exposed to the natural systems at all. Um, but that potentially is compromising the immune system, but also um, depression and stress uh, levels can increase with, because even having a house plant in an apartment in London has been shown to be more, more positive for someone than no nature present. So it's even a small amount can actually make a difference to our mental health and well-being. And I mean, I know what it gives me. I just, yeah. just don't know how I would be able to survive without my regular trips into nature. And I'm taking our one-year-old baby out. And I'm thinking, I'm not sure how parents survive without using nature. Our rule is uh, if mother can't keep him happy and father can't keep him happy, mother nature definitely can. Guaranteed result. It's, it's a result every time though, isn't it? <laughs> Serenity, that's the word that comes. Yes, and which basically means, yeah, you let go of your um, stresses and feel untroubled because that's how my heart feels when I go into nature. But I think the sense of connection that it gives also um, gives you so much more of a sense of um, security and safety and belonging. Mm. And things are often missing in busy city modern lives where people are then reaching for, you know, placebos, um, which, which are generally le a lot less healthy. And, you know, we're so used to looking out the window, um, but the draw of the electronic devices and you know social media um, tends to mean I think that less people are getting outdoors. And so, what you're doing is just remarkable. And the fact that you're in with the NHS and you're actually helping people who really um, need to experience this is is amazing. I mean, can you tell us a bit more about that side of what you're doing? Um. Well, we're working, you could say, at very high levels in terms of uh, with central government. And they've currently got a five million bid open for green social prescribing. So looking at how nature can be used with a current social prescribing system. And if anyone's not familiar with that. So it's like if you went to the doctor and they gave you um, uh, medication, but they say you might also like to do. So like if you were stressed or something, some doctors might recommend yoga mindfulness and Tai Chi and of course mindfulness is widely available on the NHS um, so you might get socially prescribed for other activities um, we've already been accepted for social prescribing across Surrey um, we're currently exploring how we get uh, basically sort of larger numbers referred from the doctor's surgeries um, but we've also got so I've got multiple um, channels open at, at the moment because um, it takes a long time 
to make things happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd say there's something like about 20 different avenues to people that are in need that we've got open at the moment. And um, I'm hoping to bring all of those online, I'd say over the next six to 12 months. Um, I mean, just lots of different people that we can like to help. But hypertension um, is a key area because we've also tied up with Professor Lee in Japan, mm -hmm. um, who's the sort of BBC go-to person, published books with Penguin, and he really spearheaded the physiological science of forest bathing, him and a couple of other figures in Japan. And he's now our scientific advisor. Um, and so we're going to be working on research around um, children and uh, clinical studies. Wonderful. With him. Um, and potentially there's then going to be a, a cross flow back from England and the UK to Japan to help inform government policy there. That is, um, you know, it's so it's so what we need. I mean, we really have to clear the slate and bring in, you know, we need a whole new healthcare system and nature's got to be at the centre of that. I'm thinking as well, I suppose it doesn't matter if you're in a wheelchair or anything. Have you managed to also do forest bathing for um, disabled people? We've, yeah, we've had people with different um, conditions and like we're on, still on iPlayer running a group uh, for young adults, including those with autism. Um, but we have got team members lined up to run sessions for people that are in wheelchairs because um, our model is that we would adapt our forest bathing sessions due to the people that are attending. So if you've got a group of people that are in wheelchairs, obviously you design it um, to be as beneficial for them as possible. So maybe they can't reach down and get the forest floor, but you could bring it to them. So that kind of adjustments. Um, so you could still cross the main uh, four senses because we don't do too much with taste due to the health and safety. <laughs> nightmare yes um but it's yes it's definitely possible um in fact it, i haven't actually come across anyone um i can think of that if they can get to the forest we can run sessions maybe we need to make adaptions because we've got um nhs doctors and professional therapists and counselors in our team that we've trained as guides so the direction we're going is training people with the uh, specific skills to look after different people give them the forest bathing skill set on top of that. And then those people should be in the best hands possible. It, it, it sounds wonderful. And I've also seen that you've got a course running as well. So um, is it, do you need to have any prior qualifications? We, we have a lot of um, health professionals um, in our community as well. So um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about the course. Yeah, so we so we train people to be forest bathing guides and and so once they're trained we can potentially give them paid work with the country's major landowners that's how we've put it together so we don't just train people and then say okay off you go and do your own thing we've actually got a team all supporting each other um so there's two modules on our training the first one is we train people to be a mindfulness and meditation teacher that course is about how we're relating to people in a mindful way and then the second course, which is the forest bathing guide course, is about how we use the environment to relax people. And that the course manual for that second course is 164 pages now. It's got to that point, but it's only really scratches the surface on a lot of the research we've done. Um, but the key skill to be a forest bathing guide
guide. Um, you could say it's a sensitive soul. <laughs> yes. If you have experience of mindfulness and meditation, um, that's great. But I'm, I mean, I, some people will just pick it up very naturally and may learn it much quicker than me. Um, so an interest and passion and uh, sensitivity, I think, are the main um, because we cross the two, the two areas, the mental health um, crisis, which I've, which was already one before COVID, I've become increasingly concerned since COVID, but also, of course, the environmental destruction. Yes. Because part of what we're doing is saying, hey, look, nature has all of this to offer you. Look at the magnificence when you slow down because you really stoke in the beauty. And, and I realised how I underappreciated it was. And then there's the realization, wow, there's not much left. We need to protect what little is left. So a lot of us need to get become part of the solution. I think so. And, um, and relearn the appreciation. Uh, you know, the, for those of us who love nature and go into it regularly, I mean, that's been the one absolute overriding joyful benefit of uh, what happened last year in lockdown is just seeing nature flourishing and regenerating. And I've got bees back in my garden again, and I haven't had bees in the last seven years. Mm. So, you know, I this year when a, when a, when a hedge um, outside my front door burst into flower, um, I counted sort of seven different species um, of pollinators on there, and I ha I haven't seen that in years. So you know that's that's been a good thing, but I think we all need to start taking responsibility for the nature on our doorstep. And honestly, hasn't um, hasn't this island got some of the most beautiful? nature um, anywhere in the world. I, I, I've traveled all over the world and everywhere's got its special places. Mm. There is something about um, about what we have on the doorstep here in the UK. Yeah, well, there's a lot to be said um, about the lushness here. Yes. I've also done traveled extensively. Yeah, so the dry landscapes. Um, after a while, when I was in California, I was like, I wouldn't mind a rainy day today. <laughs> Blue sky and sun, every, same thing every day. Um, so, so yes, and of course, the, our magnificent forests um, with their veteran trees, because we also talk about the benefits of ancient woodland. Um, well, can, you, can you talk a little bit about, uh, about that um, now? So we've called our system of forest bathing, Forest Bathing Plus, and that was a name given to us by the University of Essex, because they said, oh, you're, so you're doing Forest Bathing Plus something, because we designed it to be like the most therapeutic form possible to integrate it into the NHS because you can do forest bathing lots of different ways but how does it help the most vulnerable in society that was effectively our mission we set ourselves because if you can help or give something to the most vulnerable in society it should be more than good enough for everybody else yes totally. uh, so our forest bathing so you've got the mind yeah so you've got this mindful approach to spending time in nature which is the forest bathing and in Japan it depends on, on the guide you go with so some people might just give you exercises and that's basically it. Others might be mindfulness and meditation teachers. So they're going to give you a much more sort of immersive, mindful experience. Um, but that's our way of doing things as yoga and meditation teachers. So everybody that runs our forest bathing sessions 
does it in a very mindful way to accentuate the benefits of mindfulness in nature. So you, then you get a consistent experience across the UK. Doesn't matter who from our team. You, so it's actually consistent yes. as opposed to Japan, yes. you're gonna get randomness. Yes. And then uh, we also connected another arm of emerging science, which is the, called the Wood Wide Web, the original WWW. Oh. And that's the, came from, so Professor Susan Simard at the University of British Columbia is normally the person um, that name's attributed to. But in ancient woodland, um, all of the trees are connected through the fungal network. Because yes. same Judy Dench is our patron and she did a beautiful piece on the BBC, My Passion for Trees. If, you, if anyone listening wants to watch that. Um, but the, the short version of a long story. Link in underneath the video to that. Yeah, the short version of a long story is we were given a model where a forest is survival of the fittest, all the trees are competing against each other. That's how human planted forests operate, not how mother nature grows forests. In, in a natural forest left to its own devices, all the trees link up under the forest floor. The big old veteran trees can actually distinguish between their own uh, children, we now know from measuring um, radioisotopes and flow of carbon and sugars. So they look after their own children slightly better than they look after the neighbor's kids, but they still look after the neighbor's kids. The evergreen trees send carbon and sugars to the deciduous trees during winter to make sure they survive the winter. And at the height of summer, when the deciduous trees are photosynthesizing at max effect, they can send carbon and sugars to the evergreen trees to prepare them for winter. So when scientists look at this model, they say, okay, so the whole forest is supporting each other. And they came to the conclusion um, that the trees over hundreds of millions of years must have worked out that if they have sick and weak members of their society, that the whole society was weak. So let's make the whole society strong and then it's more resilient to climate change and environmental conditions. Um, so we have the model for our society, don't we? Isn't that the most perfect post-pandemic model? You know, when we are looking at communities and strengthening communities, we're looking at more compassion and empathy and heart. And it's true, though, isn't it? You know, um, your, your societies are only as strong as your most vulnerable. And we're a global society, as we now see yeah. with COVID. Yes. You know, so that, that increased international um, cooperation, obviously, to aid COVID is absolutely essential because if you've got a huge pocket in one place on the planet, then the rest of the people are also vulnerable. So we, so we already know the trees worked it out over hundreds of millions of years. They show us. Now it's time for our light bulbs to go off. And to do the same thing. Yeah. Because that is the, also that's the, the stillness of the, of the forest and, the, and that sense of connection. Um, I know you've touched on one of my favourite books, The Secret Life of Trees. I'm going to put a link to that um, in this as well, because um, I think I think everybody should read it. Uh, have you have you have you been to that forest in Germany that he writes about? No, I have spoken to Peter when he um, when, when he was at Kew Gardens. So I'd like to pay him a visit. Um, but the subject of connection, because there was like a meme on the internet, there's no mobile signal in the forest, but there's a much better connection. Yeah. <laughs> that one sums it, much better connection to self and everything else 
Um, and there's a, an interesting paper that my head of research um, dug out, Transcendental Experiences in Forests. Um, but we were doing some studies with the University of Derby. We actually had people on heart rate monitors and they were doing massive amounts of psychometric questions. But one person um, said this was transformational. So, you, so for them, they've gone from perhaps this very stressed state where they're looking at problems very closely to this much bigger perspective where it feels like you get a lot more clarity on your life. Mm. I've had um, those kind of reports um, from across the country because I've run sessions like RSPB reserves across England. And the common theme that comes up when we get stressed and it all feels a bit kind of overwhelming and we all kind of crouch down with the pressure then when we get into nature and looking at a huge tree which we get that kind of sense of awe sometimes it puts the problems into perspective other times it might give us a different perspective on the problem to resolve it um, and, and of course it means a lot to people when you're feeling over overwhelmed suddenly you get oh bit of a break and a fresh perspective that's very meaningful i think i think what trees do for us as well is that um you know for they land us in the present moment um and when you're in the present moment suddenly things do come into perspective so yes i mean i i i, I guess you're you're taking people it is forest bathing and you must be taking people into all different environments but for me there is nothing as healing um, as walking into a forest and these huge beech forests, these European forests over here are, you know, are, are so, so different to what I, I grew up with in Africa, which has, has its own beauty, mm. but um, it's, the, it's the ancient nature of it as well. A bit like the redwoods in California. In yeah. California. Oh my goodness, they have an energy too. But um, I'm aware that I can't keep you for too long. I, I feel like I could talk to you for ages and I'm actually oh. pretty desperate to do a session. Um, when you were, uh, well, Philip, who was running one, um, one of your team not so long ago, but I was unfortunately unable to attend. So I'm going to jump on one of the next ones. Okay. You'll be welcome as our guest anytime. Uh, it would just, I, I would absolutely love it. And also we do, um, we do uh, put on, events for our members as well and i'd love to talk to you about doing something um you know for our members that mm. uh, the ones that can actually you know get to this area quite easily but um but for another time so gary how do people find you um how do they i mean have you got events running all over the place is it sitting on the website um what's the next step um well, the main website is uh, tfb.institute, tango, foxtrot, bravo.institute. Um, so you can go to the events tab and then it'll take you through to Eventbrite. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a large amount running in Surrey, but we've also got other locations and that um, event program is expanding rapidly back uh, to its former glory. Because unfortunately, of course, COVID made everything very yeah. difficult. I mean, if you're interested in the training, we do like a Q&A, uh, Zoom, where I give a little presentation on our um, the history and the science and what everything that we're working on and what it um, involves the training. People can ask questions. So that's kind of the training pathway. Um, and yeah, you can see us on iPlayer. 
I mean, if you look at our website, there's plenty of content on there, including the university studies, because I am a peer-reviewed author and researcher. I should probably have said that earlier. But I, I should have said that too. I did know that as well, but I um, I got so taken with all the trees. Honestly, trees do something incredible to me. But um, I, I would I would ask everyone to visit the website. And, um, and you don't need to be a practitioner to be able to train. You can start off doing this, but I... I really think in this post-pandemic world, um, our connection to nature is going to help our connection to our communities and it's going to help us to emulate what the trees are doing and make much stronger, more symbiotic um, communities. So I would urge you to have a look at Gary's um, site. Gary, thank you so much. Um, I'm really grateful. I know how busy you are and um, you've spared some time for us. So. Um, we hope that you're going to see an influx of people coming onto the website and if nothing else, just getting outdoors. That's it. Thank you very much. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Be... Oh.